Consider the following, and some of the results you will hardly believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Teacher Turn Alchemist podcast. My name is Lydia. Welcome, welcome. If this is your first time listening in, welcome. If this is your fifth, tenth time, it's pretty cool that I can actually say that now that I have enough episodes, but welcome to you. This podcast is essentially what I deem my verbal journal as I exited the public school system and gave up writing IEPs to brew some tea. And I am now a commercial kombucha and shrub maker in my area, which is Wisconsin. And I'm really excited that you're here because really I just chat about all things business and how things are going good and bad. And my eventual goal is to create an inclusive taproom in my community. And by inclusive, I would like to hire and be a training place for adults with disabilities. When I was teaching in the public school system, I used to be a special education teacher specifically to adults in a transition program. And we would focus on vocational skills and independent living skills. And when they would exit the public school system, although many of them had a lot of talents and a lot of skills and the drive they wanted to work, unfortunately, there were not a lot of job opportunities or enough businesses in my community that would hire. And so I wanted to jump to the other side and become an employer And I would like to be a training place and a workplace that celebrates inclusion and diversity. And it's just sickening, honestly, the percentage, the very low percentage of adults with disabilities that are employed. And I would like to join alongside some of these amazing places in my community and workplaces in my community to bring more jobs to our area and just be a great example maybe for other businesses to welcome inclusion as well. So with that being said, I'm really excited that you are here for today's episode because I want to discuss what I'm deeming kind of the messy yet beautiful middle. I just explained to you what my end goal for this business is and what I see and what I'm striving towards, which is an inclusive taproom in my community. However, I'm definitely not there yet, and it's not going to be anywhere close to that for a long time. And so I'm really in the middle. I'm excited to share that I feel like I've kind of surpassed the beginning. You know, I've established licenses. I'm starting to make more of a mark in my community. People are understanding our mission. And so I feel like we have taken off from the beginning. And now we are in, for the foreseeable future, the messy and beautiful middle. And so I just wanted to kind of explain to you what that looks like for me right now in the business. I want to detail kind of where I'm at with production and sales and what scaling means to me and what are those steps that I'm doing. I'm in a couple of new retail places, how I'm figuring that out. Have I hired anybody yet? There's a lot of things in the middle that I wanted to address. And then later on, I also want to address kind of my mental state in the middle. And I feel like that's so important as an entrepreneur, just because shiz is the fan. And I feel like a lot of fellow entrepreneurs who are listening into this this podcast, you totally get it. And I just feel like this is just a way of me to put it out there. Like I said, this is like a journal entry for me of just like where I'm at, but also just to say, hey, we're in this together and um, I'm just going to share where I'm at and just be real with you guys. So before we jump into the messy, beautiful middle segment, I wanted to say thank you so much for all the positive feedback. I had a really fun episode with my husband kind of collaborating and trying out some kombuchas, and that was just a really fun episode, but I got a lot of great feedback from you guys. I've gotten some people that shared their favorite kombuchas or ones that were like, oh, I didn't like this kind. So it was just really cool to collaborate and just hear from more of you. So I appreciate the feedback on that episode. That was a lot of fun. And my husband like really enjoyed it. He's not really one that's like, yeah, I'll jump on a podcast, but 
once we got going, he had a really good time and he said that he might do it again. So you never know, I might have him back onto the pod. <laughs> but also I wanna share what I am sipping on today. I am really excited to share because this is my newest brew that is about to hit mainstream market. And if you follow me on social media, oh no, I did it again. I'm always like, Lydia, you're going to get it right in the intro. You're going to share your name and you're just going to roll through it. And really, I could go back and edit and cut it, but this is real life. I forgot to say my business name. So if you're new and you're like, what, how do I even find you? My business is called Living Full Kombucha and you can find me over at livingfullkombucha.com and Instagram, Facebook at livingfullkombucha. Sorry about that. Anyway, I have a new brew, and if you've been following me on social media, I released this flavor. Well, I talked about that it's coming out soon, and I named it Hip. And this is a brew that is more of a tea blend that has elderberry, hibiscus, and rose hip. And I'm super excited about this because I did explain about this on a previous episode, but I hadn't carbonated it yet, and it just wasn't ready for everybody to try. But I feel like it's like, oh, it's good. And it's a beautiful, like, pink hue that I really feel like is going to complement my other colors and my flavors. You know, this one actually is a lot more tart than usual, but I feel like alongside the spectrum of my other flavors, I have a lemon lavender, I have a ginger, and then I have a grapefruit rosemary. I have two of them that are a little bit more mellow. And like when people come up to me and they're like, oh, I've never tried kombucha before, they go for something more mellow. But then I have like kombucha fanatics. They're like, give me the tart, you know? And so I feel like Dreamer, my ginger brew, and now Hip are going to be great options to try that are a little bit more tart, a little bit more acidic. And I'm like all for it. It was really important for me to come out with this flavor around cold and flu season because we all know, especially elderberries pack a lot of vitamin C, but also rosehip packs a lot of vitamin C alongside with the hibiscus. Oh my goodness, there are so many benefits to all of these ingredients. And if it's all fermented, boom, that's only gonna service your body more. So I'm super excited about this. Right now, I am, this is kind of gonna, lead right into my messy, beautiful middle. I'm currently waiting on my labels to be produced. So I have explained in different episodes just kind of how I've gotten my labels, but as a quick summary, my brother went to school for advertising. He had a really cool friend, his name is Cody. He has his own design company. And we reached out to Cody and he freehands all of my labels, which if you haven't seen my labels, check it out on social media. They are freaking beautiful. I can't take credit for it. I had the ideas for it, but he truly brought it to life. They're absolutely stunning. I couldn't be more proud of them. I'll make sure to tag him in the show notes. So if you want to check him out, which I would highly recommend, but basically he created the hand So if you're following, all of my bottles have hands on the front of the bottles and they're all different emotions. Like I wanted them to evoke different emotions of the flavor. And so Cody just finished up the design. I'm freaking pumped about it. Like it is so cool. It's very different than any of the other hands that I've done only because I kind of had to think of the design a little bit more because usually I have them holding what the flavor is but instead of him holding an elderberry or hibiscus flower or a rose I actually have him doing something a little bit different and so he really brought my vision to life and I can't wait for you guys to see it but right now I'm basically waiting for my brother and I to kind of finish up 
the design of the overall label, which that falls back on my brother and myself. So I already kind of have a template of my bottle design, nutrition facts, and you know what to put on it and the different colors and things like that. But my brother is all things layout and he's really good at that, especially on his computer. And unfortunately, he got COVID. And so he's been out for the count for a couple weeks. And the last thing I want to bother him about is one more thing about my business, which I'll jump into that more because he's been really, really helping me on several things currently in my business. And to topple that, put more on him with this label, unfortunately, it's kind of at a pause. And then when I finish that, it's going to be at least two more weeks for it to print with my printing company because that's just the, their production time. And so right now I have currently several boxes and kegs that need to be put into bottles of hip. And they're basically naked bottles. They're beautiful, but they're naked and they can't go out to retail Um, and technically I'm not really supposed to sell them at farmer's markets, although if I put like a tag on them stating what my ingredients are, I can sell them. So I think that's what I'm going to do because I have a bunch of hip and people want to have it, uh, but I just don't have the official label yet. So that's kind of what I'm waiting on right now. And you know, I feel like waiting is truly a theme of the middle. Right now in this business, everything is so new. Everything I do is brand new to me. And so when I'm coming up with, for example, a label, this is all new of trying to figure it out and try to lay it out right and find a printing company. So all of that that I've now established, I'm now waiting on some of those companies to get back to me. I was frustrated the other day looking at my to-do list because so many of the things on the to-do list, I was simply waiting on a response back. And it's not that I'm not being proactive and calling these places. It's that an order has been placed and something hasn't been fulfilled or the ball is in their court in which someone has to create something and then get back to me. And that all takes time. So for example... In the brewery that I share space with, my fermenters are on one wall, but then in pretty close proximity is their canning line that they do their canning of their beer. And there is a little bit of a problem because all of the microbes in my kombucha can potentially disrupt the taste and the quality of their beer. Because my kombucha, you know, just to grow kombucha, you have to have oxygen to it. So it's not completely sealed off. So basically there are microbes for my kombucha floating everywhere inside of the walls, into the air, and potentially into the cans of their beer that could re-ferment and change completely the flavor profile that they work so hard on. That is definitely not something that I ever want to do. And if it ever happened, I basically wouldn't be able to stay in this space anymore. So it's something that needs to be addressed. And so looking at the space, there isn't another place to put my fermenters. And so what I've been doing is covering up my ferments, all of my fermenters, with lots of blankets and plastic sheets every time that they can so that nothing will get into the cans while they are canning, if that makes sense. And so I was like, man, this is ridiculous. It looks stupid. I'm literally putting, when I say plastic sheets, they're trash bags. I'm taping trash bags around all of my fermenters. I'll have to, I'll have to put up a picture. It looks kind of crazy, but I'm trying to basically seal them up. But I felt like, one, this is not sustainable, especially as I get larger fermenters, which I will talk about in a little bit. Another thing I'm waiting on, hint, hint. But, you know, it's it's tricky because I needed something that would be a better solution. And so in my old kitchen space, I remember that I didn't have heat. 
And so in my little pantry area, which, oh my goodness, humble beginnings. But what I did was I had bought an industrial plastic curtain that would seal in as much heat as possible. And my brain began to spin and I thought, wait a second, if that sealed in heat, that should be able to do a really good job sealing up my brews, like my ferments. And in my area, it's a, it's a lot larger of an area than the pantry I was in. So to contain it would be a lot more curtain that I would have to purchase. But I think it would be a great solution. So I went to Matt. He's the owner of the brewery. And he was like, yeah, I think that would be really cool. And for the record, I'm really excited to share that they've been putting aside different beers from their canning lines and letting them sit out at room temperature and just trying them over the course of time and seeing if my kombucha microbes have affected the taste and they haven't. And I don't want to say yet because I really am just optimistic that they won't and he is too. So basically we're good there. But I went ahead and tried to find a large enough curtain and I realized you have to custom make it. And the custom make something, one, we already know that's going to take a lot of time, but two, whew, that's going to be a lot of money. And neither of those was I super thrilled about, but I knew how important it was to the space. And so I went ahead and I bit the bullet and it was about $450 to get this curtain. It's a 17 foot curtain that literally wraps around my entire area. And they said it would take about two weeks for me to get. And I thought, okay, not a problem. I got two weeks. I'll keep covering up my bruise. Cool. That's all cool. Two weeks go by. Three weeks go by. Four weeks go by. Now, I will say I'm not that non-proactive. Is that a word? I called them after the second week and I'm like, hey, like, will I be getting these soon? Will I know when they ship? And they're like, yeah, well, it's actually two weeks from the day of production. So it's going to be another two weeks. So I'm like, oh, so we're at a month now. And with all the manufacturing things going on at this current time of life in the world, it's a little harder to get some of the materials. And so let's just say that I waited about two months to get this curtain. Two months. And I am so happy, again, to share that we haven't had any issues with their beer. But this past week, I was finally able to put up the curtain and it's working great. It actually helps to seal in the heat and so I'm able to maintain more of a consistent temperature. So win, win, win. But that waiting game has been really hard for me, especially during this middle and trying to figure things out because I, of course, don't want to hurt anybody's product. I want to stay professional. I need enough money to do all this stuff. So anyway, so another thing that I was waiting on is my fermenters. Now I had mentioned in a previous episode as like a little teaser, I'm scaling. You know, I have enough demand that I can make more kombucha, which is so encouraging. I had an amazing farmer's market season and I have a good following now in this area and people want more. So cool. Now to give a little reference point, right now I'm brewing about 77 gallons. I have 11 seven gallon symbiosis fermenters. So they're basically like rectangular trays that are seven gallons each. And I've been monitoring those and I'm doing batch brews in each one. Now I'm transitioning to double that size and I am getting two 66 gallon symbiosis fermenters and each of the trays are now 16 gallons each. So the tray size is going to be a lot wider and deeper, um, but I'm not going to have as many trays to monitor. So I will have eight trays total, but it's going to be double the size. I was like, what's 66 plus 66? <laughs> I totally just paused it so I could do the math. Is that terrible? 132 gallons. Woo. 
And I apologize for all those people who have the right metric system. I don't know what that is in leaders. I love that there are so many international people that listen to this podcast too. Welcome. But 132 gallons that I would be brewing at once. And I'm really excited. So when I originally ordered them, they were back ordered and I had ordered them at the end of September and they said they would have them November 1st, which to be honest, no problem. I was still finishing up the farmer's market season. I feel like I was getting a little bit more in a groove using these trays and just understanding the brews themselves. So I figured with that time, I can kind of get the materials that I need to bring in these larger fermenters because I am going to start using hoses and butterfly valves and uh, even electric kettles, which Whew, that's a whole nother learning curve. Again, messy middle, trying to figure it out. But November 1st rolls around and they're not here. And if you're looking at the date of this podcast episode, they are still not here. And I reached out to them a couple days ago and I said, hey, um, I heard that it was going to be the beginning of November. Um, You said it could potentially be mid-November and now we're at that mid-November place. Is it going to be coming in anytime soon? And she responded back within five minutes and said, I'm so sorry, but because of the national crisis going on with manufacturing, it's going to be mid to late January. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, 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 whoa. Darn it. That is like, man, I want to say that I'm a patient person, but that was hard to hear. It's so hard to hear because I've been planning on this and obviously I'm gearing up already for next summer. And this is a huge component of that and what I can produce. And so that was really hard to hear. And I'm going to, I mean, I don't have any choice. I can't be mad at this company. I'm sure they're getting a lot of backlash from other people who can't get their supplies. But I'm going to have to wait for those fermenters to come in and continue what I'm doing. You know, during this middle phase, I'm really trying to restructure my thinking. You know, I I talk about all of this waiting and I hope it doesn't come across as complaining, but I really want, for me, I'm trying to use this as a learning opportunity because I've never done this before. I don't understand supply chains and I've never really talked to specific companies before and understanding just all the logistics around that and how many people truly have to come together to make a product and it really is fascinating. And so as I talk about some of these other things, I just wanted to preface like, this is definitely not complaining. Of course, it's frustrating because who wants to wait? However, this is such a cool way of learning for me of just like, okay, as I scale, as I continue to get you know better and more efficient and obviously need more people and need more companies to come alongside me, I'm learning this whole waiting game is important. So I hope that made sense. <laughs> But I wanted to kind of explain what's going on with my shrubs. I've been giving the kombucha a lot of love lately, and I don't want you to think that the shrubs have fallen off the map. In fact, I've actually been spending more time on my shrubs lately than my kombucha. If you're new and you're thinking, wait, I know what kombucha is, but I don't know what shrubs are. Shrubs are an infused apple cider vinegar that is really becoming more and more popular. You mix them into cocktails, into mocktails, or you can make them into like sparkling water, make them into sodas, or you can mix them into food. Really, it is an inclusive beverage, and I thought that it would really complement the kombucha. And so I brought this product on a little bit later than the kombucha. And to be honest, I just didn't have the money at the time to change my name. And so my name is still Living Full Kombucha. But I do actually have two products that I'm really proud of. What I was really excited about this past summer is that everybody knew about kombucha or most everybody. You know, I feel like the popularity of kombucha has really gone up. 
And when people come up to my table, they're excited to try it. However, your girl knows how to swing a sail. And so I was so excited to share with them about shrubs too. You know, it's a, again, I said that like, I want your money. No, it's not like that. It's more that I just wanted them to know about another option. And showing them shrubs alongside the kombucha has been so fun to teach people about. And I'm really excited to share that I have a very solid shrub bandwagon. (laughs) I don't know if that's the right way to say it. I've had people come up to my table specifically only to buy shrubs. They don't enjoy kombucha. Um, And and that's totally cool. I'm not looking for you to like both. I I want you to enjoy products and I want you to feel your best while having these products. But it's just been really cool to see that shrubs have really grown in popularity. And so obviously I've been spending more time on them to try to make them more accessible to everybody so they understand it. Kombucha is pretty straightforward. It's in a bottle. You drink it. Cool. The shrub is a concentrate and you have to mix it and there's different ratios and there's different recipes that you can make with them and it's more of a creative approach and it really sometimes takes me or somebody else explaining what it is before a sale is made. And so looking at the sale trajectory of the shrubs, I wanted to spend some time on the educational component, specifically on the label, that would make them more marketable in retail. And if you've been following me on social media, you've probably noticed that I have not put my shrubs into any retail stores. And there is actually a reason for that. I didn't include ingredients on my original label of the shrubs. And in order to sell in retail, that is one of the things that you have to include, at least in the state of Wisconsin is a list of the ingredients and just to be honest I had printed off so many labels already it cost a lot of money I needed to use all of those labels first and then use that money from those sales to then make a new label so I actually have a couple of retailers that are really interested in having the shrubs but until I'm able to create that new label I won't be able to do that So looking at the label design, I have been working with my brother again. Again, Jacob, I love you. I know you probably never listen to this podcast, but you freaking rock. But it's just one more thing that I put on my brother because he just really understands the layout, font size, design, you know? And so we've been adding basically another panel onto the shrub label itself that states the ingredients and then also states how to use them, like how much to measure because that's like the number one thing I get asked at at a market is well how much do I put in there and I do have a QR code that is put onto the shrub but I feel like a lot of people aren't using that or whatever that like gives instructions so I feel like it's more easy for everybody to just have the instructions on the side and so I invested an extra penny and a half is that a thing a penny and a half to include another panel to be printed so it's a little bit easier to understand now in addition I was looking at just kind of the cost to put shrubs out into retail and I realized man I could kind of save some money if I go down the route of deeming my shrubs as shelf stable Okay, so right now, my shrubs say to keep refrigerated. And at this point, I've had them on ice at all of the farmer's markets. But I was researching and I realized that a lot of shrub creators don't refrigerate their shrubs. And so I reached out to several shrub creators and I asked them, because there's a lot of different ways to actually make shrubs. There's actually like a hot method and a cold method. And I use the cold method to kind of preserve the raw, true apple cider vinegar. So I wanted to basically reach some of those similar like-minded shrub creators that do the cold method. 
And I'm like, hey, how did you guys get this as like shelf stable? And I reached out to also the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture. And I was like, hey, like I really want to do this and make them shelf stable. Because here's where it's going to save me some money. One, think about the ice cost every single weekend. I have one cooler specifically designated to shrubs. And I know that sounds really minimal, but a bag of ice is about 4 to $5 a week. And especially during the summer months, I buy like eight to nine bags. And that cost really adds up over time. If I don't need to have them on ice, that's already a little bit of a savings every single week. Additionally, if I'm looking to retail these, a lot of times retailers are asking to rent space now as opposed to a wholesale price. So for example, I had a market up a little bit north of Milwaukee ask me if uh, it's kind of like a consignment, like, hey, you can rent this shelf in our refrigerator and then whatever you sell, you get all of the sales. However, <laughs> the refrigerator costs more money naturally because they have to put, you know, electricity into it to keep it cold. And so if I were to have my shrubs as shelf stable, I could have them on their shelf for a lot less money. And if I want to really build this and scale it, I'm just thinking, wow, this would be great. Additionally, another thing that I'm really looking to do is shipping my products. And we all know how much money it's going to cost to ship something that has to stay cold and all the additional things that you would have to, to package it with. So I could create gift boxes and different things with shrubs and start shipping them, which I would be so thrilled to do. So all that being said, I heard back from a bunch of the shrub creators that were saying, yeah, my product is definitely shelf stable. Already the pH of apple cider vinegar is so low that it should be good to go. However, definitely check in with your food regulations department. So when I reached out to the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, they were like, okay, so this is brand new to us. If you want to do this, you're going to need to create a variance as well as a HESAP plan. Now, luckily, this ain't my first rodeo, so I know how to create HESA plan as well as a variance. And if you're unfamiliar with what those are, basically a HESA plan is an acronym that stands for Hazard Analysis Control, Critical Control Point. Sorry, there's two C's in there. Um, and basically, you're listing all the different steps of what could potentially go wrong and how you're going to monitor and fix if something goes wrong with that product. Because if it's going to be deemed shelf stable, there could be potentially microorganisms, uh, mold, things like that and how are you preventing that from happening variance is if there's any juices inside of your kombucha or shrubs kind of for example and you have to state that it is okay to consume now I appreciate that there are regulations put in place because whenever I go to the grocery store I like that there are already rules and people looking over that food knowing that it is safe to consume but in regards to kombucha and shrubs it is a freaking nightmare I'm just gonna put that out there right now I am basically, I feel like Wisconsin's guinea pig in all things variance and HESAP plan. Um, they basically told me that they don't really have anybody that has ever done this. There are a couple other shrub creators in Wisconsin. However, their process is a little different than mine. Not saying that it's wrong or incorrect or whatever, but they have slightly different processes. So they have different plans that go alongside their product. Okay, so it's a little separate. So looking at mine, they're like, okay, well, you're gonna need to plan this, improve this and do this. And so I've been spending, I'll be real, I spent my birthday doing that. <laughs> that is what I did. Uh, I turned 31 a couple weeks ago and I just made the most of it. I sat down with a big old cup of tea and I just banged this out. And unfortunately, the first couple of drafts came back with a lot of questions. And it's not that I did it wrong. It's just they were asking like, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? Wait, what are you doing here? 
They don't understand the products, not like making something like a potato chip or a canned good or I don't know. I'm just fishing for different products. But well-known products that especially people in that department understand, a shrub is so foreign to them that they're like, we really had to consult many people on this. So I'm like really under scrutiny with everything that I'm doing, which again, I'm really glad that I am, but it's just a longer process and waiting, (laughs) waiting. So I'll submit another draft and then they'll get back to me within a week. Hey, we have a question. Okay, here's your answer. Okay, oh, here's another week of waiting. (laughs) It just goes round and round, but just proves again, I'm learning through this process, but I'm still currently waiting to get approved. Now I'm really excited to share that this last draft or really the answers that I gave them basically was like, I think we got this. So I'm hoping within this next week, I get my official stamp of approval and that I can start deeming all of my shrubs as shelf stable, which will be really cool. I think that the marketability, I always say that wrong, marketability (laughs) will become a lot better if I'm able to claim them as shelf stable. So yeah, shrubs. Okay, so mostly what I've been spending my time on thus far, especially talking about this messy middle has been in the production side, but I feel like there's a lot of this messy middle that has to be addressed towards looking towards the future. You know, obviously I'm producing, but I still need to have, uh, what do they call it? Like a 10,000 foot view. And so when you're doing all these things in the day to day, you know why you're doing them, which I know I can say, oh, inclusive tap room. But there are definitely some measurable goals that I am trying to meet. And so in order to do that, a lot of this messy middle and beautiful middle has been trying to establish these very clear, scalable goals. And so what I've been doing is trying to find some key people that will help me go to the next level. I realized a long time ago that I really can't do this all by myself. I've already had so many amazing customers that have rallied behind me so people understand and can share about this brand and our mission. My husband helps me every single weekend, you know, um, and there are so many people that I am, you know, I say I'm waiting on, but they are key players in helping me move forward in this business. So another component that I really needed to focus on that I was kind of not really addressing and it really needs to happen is I really need a strong financial advisor and I also need someone that's going to kind of help me be a business coach. So like I normally do if I don't know what I'm doing, where do I usually go? Google. (laughs) I literally type in. What are small business financial advisors near me? Small business coaching, you know, all that stuff. And I was really eager to find somebody that has truly a teacher's heart because although I am a teacher myself, I really don't understand all the ins and outs of becoming an employer. And so the taxes component, especially how to hire people, payroll, that kind of stuff. I'm really interested in trying to help or trying to find somebody that will help me move in that direction and also try to find funding because I know I'm not just going to pay for this out of pocket. I'm going to truly need some type of capital revenue, all that stuff. And I just don't understand it very much. So I was very fortunate to find um, somewhere that was actually pretty close to me about an hour away. It's called EWH Small Business Accounting. And what's really neat is I called them up and they were like, hey, we're having like a full day of workshops to kind of understand what our tax is, also how to hire people. And I'm like, dude, did you just read my mind? That is super cool. I feel like this would really apply to me and be super helpful as like a young business person. And so I went to this workshop and I spent the entire day there and took a bunch of notes. And it was just a really cool way to uh, to learn. And I 
I really appreciate that there are businesses out there that really focus on people who want to create a business but are very early on and really don't understand all the fundamentals. So it was just really cool and it was also nice because I got to sit with a bunch of people at the table who were basically in the same point as me. They have a fantastic idea. They have you know customers and people coming in but they want to learn more and scale and they need some help. So it was just really neat to get connected with them. And I just felt really fortunate that they're in my area. Another cool story is that you just never know who you're going to connect with along this journey. You know, I've met someone, I'm just like, man, that was a waste of time. But then later on, it's connected to another person that I'm like, oh my goodness, that's why I've met them or this is why this all happened. I'm sure you've seen that outside of maybe your business and in your personal life. I know I have. We just don't know why the string of events happened the way that they do. But I have to tell you this story. You know, in the meantime, I'm not paying myself in this business yet. And so I do need to make an income at some point. So I'm bartending right now up at a tap room up in East Troy, Wisconsin called the Hive Tap Room. I've been there for a little over a year. I absolutely love it. So cool. But I have a lot of small talk with a bunch of people who come in and sit at the bar. And it's just so cool because I had this guy come in. His name is Scott. And he comes in and he is just like this middle-aged guy. He's like probably around the same age as my dad, to be honest. And he's just like, so tell me about your life. What do you do for a living? And so I do use the bar as a sales opportunity. I'll be real. But I was like, oh, I own a kombucha business. I just started it this past year. He's like, oh my goodness, I love kombucha. So does my daughter. We make it at home sometimes. I'm like, oh, that's super cool. Like what a unique thing. And he's like, hold on. (laughs) After a few drinks, he was like, okay, I'm going to call up my daughter and I want you to tell her that you make kombucha locally. And I feel like you guys would totally hit it off. She's in college. She's super nice. And before I said anything, he calls her up and was like, hey, honey, um, this girl at the bar that I just met, our bartender, she makes kombucha. You should talk to her and like handed the phone over to me to talk to her. And I was like, hey, what's up? You know, to be honest, this is a first for me. I've never really had someone's phone and talked to their family member. <laughs> she was just laughing. She's like, hey, that's really cool. That's awesome. All right, well, uh, I hope you have a good night. It was a little awkward, but it was just overall like, oh, that was really thoughtful that he would do that. And he was just so excited for me. And I just thought, you know, that was super cool experience. But it didn't stop there because not only did Scott come back, he came back again. He was like, hey, I actually want to ask you some more uh, specific questions about your business. Like, what are your goals and why aren't they bigger? And he's like, you have something. I, I know you have something and I know you I, I know how big you want to get. But like, let's make it bigger. And I'm just like, OK. He's like, well, give me some goals. And so I explained to him a couple of goals. He's like, when can that happen? I'm like, well, he's like, you need to have a timeline of when you can get this done. You're all about production right now because it's all you. I want you to be able to scale and move faster. You should be able to do this in a more timely fashion. I think you're doing a great job, but I think you can do better. And I'm like, wow, like he really believed in me. And week after week, Scott would come back and he would ask me about my goals and where I was at and congratulating me and pushing me. And there was one day at the bar where it was just us. Actually, he came in right as we were opening. It was a great conversation because I I didn't have to like – help other people at this point because it was just us he goes like this is my email I'd like to give you a homework assignment I would like for you to send me within 10 days your dreams your goals and I want you to stay accountable to them now maybe it's not me I don't want to come off as that like creepy guy and I have a creepy guy radar and Scott is definitely not a creepy guy whatsoever I know that he truly has the best intentions for me and he wants to see me succeed but he was just like I want you to create something that you can look back on as the days get really hard when you're basically in the middle 
middle. And I want you to be able to look back on this and I want you to know what you're striving for because there are days where something's going to go terribly wrong and you're going to be able to look back at this goal list and be able to stay focused and know that you can do it. And I was just like, wow, that, again, the fact that someone, especially just someone coming to sit at the bar has invested so much time and energy into my dreams and my goals made me want that that much more for myself. I also met with my boss at the Hive Taproom who also has some really great um, feedback and he's kind of been like a mentor for me and he's basically trying to help me create a business plan so that I can actually make measurable goals and then create actions to meet those goals so that I can get to this inclusive tap room but there's just so much in between another great resource that Scott shared with me is a place called score.org and it's basically a place where retired entrepreneurs or business owners can essentially mentor uh, young professionals or people who are just starting off in uh, getting their business started and so I was able to meet and have like a consultation over the phone and I am hopefully going to be paired with a SCORE mentor really soon that they can help me really actually create a professional business plan and they will also help me try to find some funding moving forward. That's all been super encouraging, especially as I am at this place in the middle and I just really need to celebrate where I'm at in the middle, knowing that every day I'm learning something new and I can do at least 1% better than I did the day before. So I know this is like a mega episode. I actually wasn't planning on that. So if you're still with me, what's up? Super pumped that you're still here. I just wanted to kind of conclude with a little segment on how I'm doing mentally during this messy, beautiful middle, if you will, just because I feel like it's just so important as you're creating a business is to just check where you are mentally. And I just want to be honest and and real with you about where I'm at. And maybe this will resonate with you as well, which I feel like this applies if you are a business owner or not. This middle stage of the business has really taught me a lot about my character that I don't feel like I would have ever really approached had I not gone down this path. And what I mean by that is, let's take, for example, me as a teacher or really just my trajectory of life. So like I just grew up, I went to high school. I was like, okay, I got to pick a career. Okay, I want to be a teacher. So I go to be a teacher. I get my degree. Cool. Awesome. All right. Now I got to get married. Now I think I have to have children. It's like all these things that kind of just naturally I felt like was supposed to happen. And almost my body and my mind and my spirit were on autopilot. Deep down, I still had a lot of morals and convictions and obviously my character but I didn't feel like I was giving that enough time or space in my life to develop and it wasn't until I was starting to get actually burnt out on teaching that I started to realize that there was more of myself that I wasn't allowing to (laughs) kind of cliche but shine you know and so when I started to just kind of go down this entrepreneur journey I thought to myself okay This might not be it, but at least hopefully I can figure out some things about myself that will make me the best version of me that I can be. And boy, I had no idea what I was in for. As I chose to go down commercial brewing and I started to do my own thing, I thought that I was going to learn more about productivity and learning new skills. And yeah, that's a huge part of it. Like I said, I'm learning something new every single day. But what I found out that has really, really tested me is adversity. 
difficulty, failure, and how I handle failure. And I'll be real, I suck at it. I've really sucked at it, especially during this middle part of the journey. What I thought would be helpful after I failed or faced adversity is to hustle and strive harder. And I think there's a huge difference because when I say striving, I was grinding, I was hustling, I was ignoring all the different parts inside of me that needed time and space and reflection. And I just went at it again and I would fail again. Now, I'm not saying that you can't fail. I know I'm going to fail. In fact, I knew that going into this. I know I'm going to fail. But it's what I did when I failed or neglected rather when I failed that really got to me, especially during this middle season. And I I keep going in past and present tense with this because I definitely haven't mastered it. And I feel like I go back and forth and back and forth. But every time that I am reflecting and moving forward, I'm learning. And that's what I'm trying to share with you today. So for example, the theme lately in my life has been quite negative. A lot of negative self-talk. I have been meeting a lot of difficult moments in this brewing season that I'm in. And like I said, just trying to create the HESSEP plan and, you know, working with all these people, it's all very new. And so when something doesn't go right or, or I have to wait a little longer, I blame it on myself. I'm a very negative self-talker and I wake up oftentimes, at least lately, feeling extremely negative about where I'm at. And I know I need to change that mindset. So this morning, I decided to write down all of my negative self-talk that I was having out on a whiteboard. I have way too many whiteboards. Past teacher, I have like three or four in my house. Anyway, but here are some of the things that I wrote down about myself. And I'm just being real. Maybe this might apply to you. I don't know, but I'm just sharing this. My journal. Okay, so one of the things was I am not getting everything done that I want to. Second one, I'm not a good wife because I'm not making good meals right now and I am eating a lot of fast food. (laughs) Three, I'm weak. My mental state seems really fragile, especially in this dark season. And dark, I mean like it's Midwest, it's cold. I hate it, okay? And the last one was, I am not an analytical thinker and I'm not ready for this stage in my business. Ooh, loaded. I mean, that went from making meals to like thinking that I can't think properly, right? It's a lot of negative self-talk. But then on the other side of the whiteboard, I forced myself to write something positive about that negative thought. And I really tried to reflect on that today. And I wanted to share that with you because my hope is that if you're struggling, whether or not you're a business owner or not, to build this self-reflection muscle so that you can have the tools to avoid a complete burnout and stop a cycle that negatively impacts your business and the trajectory of where you're trying to go. So for the first one, when I said I'm not getting everything done, I said, hold on, you're not a robot. You're human and you have needs and you need to listen to them better, which Wow, there's so much more I can go off of that, but that's just kind of what I came up with. About the being not a good wife and not creating good meals, I said, this is a season and I can cook good meals. You are a good cook. And I feel like I can. I'm spending all of my time of what I would have been cooking meals brewing kombucha. And I feel really proud about the kombucha that I'm bringing to the world right now. But that doesn't mean that I can't serve myself good meals, but maybe not as many in this season as I'm learning so much about brewing. 
I'm going to skip the third one about being in a a weak mental state because I feel like if I go back to that at the end, it's going to all tie this up into a bow. But the fourth point that I had made on my whiteboard is that I'm not an analytical uh, oriented thinker for this particular stage in my business and how do I move forward. And I wrote the positive, you're in a season of constant firsts. Consistency and willingness and mentality that you can learn, even if it takes you longer, is more important. And I feel like that goes back to my third point about I feel like I'm weak, that my mental state is really struggling right now because of this kind of dark season and that I'm having so many of these firsts. I feel like I'm approaching burnout when it's already in front of me. Like it just hits me really hard in the face. Like on Sunday, I literally watched TV for like 10 hours straight because I couldn't get out of bed. And I can't come to that point anymore. That is not healthy for anyone anyone in my life especially me as I'm trying to move forward in this business and so I I said for my third point about being weak is that I need to keep practicing my self-love muscle I really need to take time to rest because I know that there is a difference between striving and striving joyfully and striving satisfied there's so much of this culture that says grind grind hustle hustle and that can only serve you so much I cannot do it. Burnout is going to meet me that much faster and I will not have a successful business unless I can master the fact that I can strive, but I have to do it joyfully and I have to be mindful of where I'm at. I really hope that didn't come across as preachy, but just a kind of a, a glimpse into my heart and like where I'm at right now because obviously so much of this business, it thrives on productivity, but unless you're able to address your mental state appropriately and healthily, we won't be able to make progress. And the last thing that I want is to be an employer that doesn't address my mental state to be able to make healthy decisions for the business to then be able to promote it that much more and to be a healthy culture. And so that's all to conclude that through this middle, and the middle is really one of the hardest parts, but it's also the most molding part. I don't know how long this middle is going to be, but I got to enjoy it and I got to be healthy for myself so that I can get to that end goal. And really, let's be real. Are we ever really done learning? Is there ever really an end goal? Yes, I do truly feel like when this inclusive tap room is open, I really feel like I would have reached that end goal, but I'll continue to still learn and to give back to the community. But I truly feel like this middle is messy, but beautiful. And I really got to treat it in that way, both in regards to the business and the production side. It's messy and it's beautiful, but also I got to, I got to acknowledge the messiness in my own life, but also know that that messiness can also be beautiful as I'm learning how to be better for the business overall. I hope this resonated with you today and I really appreciate you taking the time to listen again to this super mega episode. I would love any feedback that you have or just to say hello. You can reach out to me at livingfullkombucha at gmail.com or please follow us on social media as we continue to grow and spread this mission of inclusivity in the workplace. I would love to know how your middle is going, whether that be in your business or your personal endeavors, both physically and mentally. You know, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, we got to stick together and I would love to connect with you. And in the meantime, be well and cheers. Cheers.